1: I can't really get it. Thanks. you got it locked into the show. I am your host, Donald Ware. I went nine, five and one in my NFL predictions on last week. Is that good? Like I'm going to go through some of the predictions. I want to talk some National Football League today on the program. Nine, five and one in my predictions we're going to talk some national football league obviously today here on the program i'm going to give you my picks for week two week two has already begun as things get rolling on thursday nights and i do have prime video i must say but i'm I'm not going to trade like i have direct tv i'm not going to trade one exclusive although i think direct tv's exclusivity is going away i'm not going to trade and and it's probably going to be think done as of next year as the NFL looks to expand in terms of the numbers of people but you're you're almost I mean I'm not gonna I I think we have prime I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay for prime just to be able to watch the NFL Thursday night game now if the Washington commanders are playing I mean that yeah I probably would because that's the only reason I pay for DirecTV, living here in Raleigh with the Panthers being the primary team. You don't, you, you don't get to see the commanders a lot. So thus subscribing to the DirecTV NFL package in probably the same way. But I mean, I think for the Thursday night games, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we subscribe to it. I don't not have to ask my wife about it. I know we have Netflix. We have all, it's all of these streaming services now. It's just really for me. Uh, this is just another subject, but just a little bit too many streaming services. Everybody's got a streaming service and you're ending up paying all this money for streaming services in addition to re- cable, whether you have cable or in our instance, uh, we have satellite television. It's just a little bit too much uh, for me. I guess fortunately we have the uh, the package, but I didn't happen to watch the Thursday night Game anyway, the Chiefs and the Chargers. So, again, going to talk some National Football League went 9 5 and 1 on last week. I'm going to say this a couple of games. If you saw, look, we had a chance to talk with Steve Weich of NFL Network last week. Lamar Jackson, he still doesn't have a contract. Baltimore, and I've talked, we've talked about this more, not as recently, but we've talked about this during the summer in terms of the Ravens and Jackson coming to some kind of agreement. And you saw the game last week. I mean, yeah, it was against the Jets. I get it. And there was this whole debate about uh, maybe a three or four months ago about who's box office, who's box office in the National Football League. To me, box office means who would you pay to see. And for me, I am going to – I would pay to see – Lamar Jackson. So this is sort of my regiment. It's all about the commanders on Sunday. In between commercials, I'm turning to the Panthers because I want to see. I want to keep up with the Panthers and what the Panthers are because it's the local team here in the state of North Carolina and where we are in Raleigh. If there's a commercial there, guess what? I'm turning to see Lamar Jackson. And unfortunately, it's very it was very weird this week because. Every time I would turn, it'd be a commercial on the Commanders game, right? Then you turn to the Panthers game. There's a commercial. I turn to the Ravens and the Jets. The Jets always had the ball offensively, right? So I, I got—I mean, I got to see a couple of a couple of series with Lamar Jackson playing. Got to see a lot of the highlights, and he's box office. And and Ravens, Baltimore Ravens, pay him, pay him. As a box office guy, I mean, again, if he doesn't get hurt last year, the Ravens make the playoffs, and then who knows what would have happened. And there were a lot of injuries with the Baltimore Ravens, so Ravens pay the man. Listen, for all my Washington Commanders fans, right, like it was a good win. As Rod Broadway, former head football coach at North Carolina a t at Grambling And at North Carolina Central used to say all wins are good wins as the as Washington got out to the lead, then saw it slip away. I was never worried because I looked at the teams and knew that the commanders were the better football team. Then the Jacksonville Jaguars. I get it. It was against the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars are going to be improved. I talked about that last week on the program. Steve White also uh, echoed that on the program last week. So it's going to be an improved football team. Uh, but but listen, I I, I never was worried. Um, Carson Wentz, the starting quarterback, threw a couple of interceptions. One of them was just he threw it behind the receiver. The other was supposed to be some kind of screen pass, probably a ball he shouldn't have thrown. But, I mean, it was an excellent, I mean, an excellent, um, an excellent play uh, that was made uh, by the young kid, right? Uh, the kid out of uh, out of Georgia. His name is escaping me as we're talking uh, right now. I'm going to try to uh, look and see uh, the young man's name. But, I mean, he had an absolutely uh, unbelievable play, Right and was able to intercept the pass. And that's a guy that, you know, I mean, that's a guy you're talking about that's already made an impact um, on this football team, meaning the Jaguars football teams already had the impact. I'm talking about Trayvon Walker, excuse me, Trayvon Walker, the defensive end. He had a really good game actually uh, for his very first game in the National Football League. Other than that, Carson Wentz threw for over 300 yards. He threw four touchdowns in the ballgame, including Uh, Two to, in essence, the last two that brought the Commanders back from behind to win that football game. And I think he exercised some demons from the Jaguars last year. Two losses by the Colts to the Jaguars. Those demons, I think, were, he got rid of those in this game. Okay, not only that, I mean, he's got a plethora of weapons. Curtis Samuels was absolutely huge something that the Commanders had been missing last year. You look at Terry McLaurin. Yeah, he didn't get targeted as much. Only two catches, but he had that bomb catch. And then Dotson, the rookie, makes the game-winning touchdown reception. Uh, Had to go get the ball a little bit. Defense needs to be a little bit better, but I'm here to tell you right now, um, I don't want to sound like a homer, but, I mean, I look at the NFC East. The Cowboys, I mean, Dak Prescott is going to be out at least four weeks. Um, you look at um, the, the Giants. I mean, the Giants had a nice win. Matter of fact, the Giants and the, and the Panthers play this weekend. I'm going to talk about that game. Uh, the Eagles, I think, are going to be solid. But watch out. The, the, the issue with the Washington, with the commanders, is defense. I think that can be shored up. But the offense is explosive. And if you think Carson Wentz is not one of the, the top, um, mm, top 15 quarterbacks in the National Football League, you're sorely mistaken. Okay, so we can talk um, some National Football League. Just thought I'd kind of get that out there. Talk some National Football League here on the program. I mean, last week, I mean, I watched a little bit the end of that Steelers and Bengals game because I, I couldn't. Be, all the all the Bengals had to do was make the extra point, couldn't make it. Um, tie ball game, and then ultimately the Steelers are able to win the ball game. I and mean, that was a that was a game the Bengals. Uh, should have won kinda really gave that football game away. I mean, you can talk about Baker mayfield going uh going up against the browns. I mean, I was surprised again in, in watching that game. Mayfield got booed a little bit. I was surprised I mean he's just kind of coming in. I mean, let him get his feet wet he wasn't he didn't play well early. he started to play better down the stretch, but it was a little bit too late. I think the Browns definitely had his number uh in that game on last week. So a lot of National Football League uh, to talk today on the program. Uh, boy, 9-5-1. I, I don't know if that's good or not. Let me I, Can I tell you the games I missed real quick and then you can tell me whether it's good or not. Um, I missed the Bears and the 49ers. I missed the Steelers and the Bengals. I missed the Browns and the Panthers. I mean, the Colts and the Texans, that was a tie football game. Uh, Let's see. I missed the Vikings and the Packers, and I missed the Giants and the Titans. And like I said, it got the other nine right. So I'm going to have my picks today for the National Football League here on the program. If you didn't know, you hadn't heard, in terms of the Phoenix Suns, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, suspended Phoenix Suns owner, okay, Robert Sarver, for one year and fined him $10 million after an investigation found that he used the N-word at least five times uh, and also uh, he some of the other uh, 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 allegations uh, against him included uh, sex-related comments, inappropriate comments on employees' appearances, etc. So with that, now Sam Garvin has been named the interim owner. I guess they're calling him governors now. I mean, whatever. The interim owner of the Phoenix Suns, and a lot of players aren't happy with this. Now, if you go back to Darnold. Uh, to Donald Sterling going back. What was that? Was that 2014? Uh, Quite some time when uh, it was on tape uh, that he had made, it said a lot of of stuff, right? And he was banned for life, banned for life. Uh, This time around, uh, that did not happen. Uh, And some of the players uh, were not happy with that, thought it should have been more than just the one year and the 10 million dollars still to come here on box to row fort valley state head football coach sean gibbs plus i look at the hbcu national game of the week may look at some other games as well but up next my nfl predictions for week two Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina, served in Total Wine all over North Carolina, Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia, Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House.
2: Yep, yep. It's Hit me. The 2022 State Fair Classic: Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M, Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl inside the world's largest state fair. It's going down. Are you ready? One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. What did you just say? Come early for the fair, fair. stay later for the game. One ticket, also, also. At 4 p.m., performing live on the Chevy Main Stage, Grammy Award-winning Ashanti live. Then oh, the I'm classic. Kicks off at a new time, 6 p.m. Watch two new head coaches battle it out for the first time. The battle gets bigger at halftime. the world-famed Tiger Marching Band takes on the Prairie View A&M Marching Store. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and Positively Golden. Chevy. Cricket Wireless. And Methodist Hospital on last week's from the press
1: box to press roll with donald wear ricky ronnie the head football coach at odu i mean have you ever been a part of a rush on the field by the fans i have
3: been a part of a couple other ones but they're all special in their own right
1: This is awesome because my family was
3: able to be down there and my son was one of the first people i got to see and all he wanted for his 13th birthday was sideline passes to the game you know just to be able to have him that close and my whole family my wife and my youngest son jake and then my mom was there on her birthday i mean it was a, it was a pretty surreal moment
2: for me. from the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country join donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of hbcu sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures that's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station
0: listening to from the press box to press row from the press box to press row box to box to box to, box to row, row. row.
1: you all Herb, take it from the top 1 2 my mic sound nice check 1 my mic sound nice check 2
2: my mic sound nice check 3 are you ready to rock
1: on. You welcome back to the program I hope indeed that my mic sounds nice because it is that time now where I'm going to give my predictions for week two in the National Football League. I've got some uh, predictions for you. Let's start out with the Patriots and the Steelers. And while I realize that, you know, there's a big gap uh, between you you can make a lot of progress between games one to game two game one a lot of teams trying to fill themselves out who are who they are their identity they you know get that practice in that week correct a lot of the mistakes and then get better I mean I think the Patriots will correct some mistakes from the loss uh, against the Dolphins last week which I did pick the Dolphins to win that football game um, but I, I just I don't know this this is going to be a down year and you know Bill Belichick hasn't had many down years as the head coach of the Patriots. I think this is going to be a down year uh, for the Patriots. Uh, I liked what I saw from Mitchell Trubisky. As I said last week, I've always liked Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think he got really a fair shot uh, in Chicago. I mean, I I don't know. He's not. I mean, he had a solid football game against the Bengals. At the end of the day, the Steelers won that football game. I think at the end of the day, the Steelers win this football game. Over the Patriots, I've got the Steelers in Pittsburgh. The Panthers and the Giants. So, you know, I, I thought this may be the year that the Panthers um, would w- could make the playoffs, right? Like, I, you know, we talked about that last week with Steve White. I mean, I, I guess it's still a possibility. I don't think you can really start the season off 0-2. I mean, Baker Mayfield came on strong. I think if you look at, you know, Matt Rule and, throughout the course of his coaching career. You know, he's built programs, if you will. This is the National Football League, so it's a little bit different. So, I mean, I think for him, the scenario between week one and week two really appro- applies to him. I think the issue is, I like the Giants. Like, I've liked the Giants. I know the Giants had a, have had some down years, but Saquon Barkley hasn't been healthy. There's been a lot made of Daniel Jones, the quarterback. I happen to think that Daniel Jones is is a is a is going to be a pretty solid quarterback i like barkley 184 yards rushing 9.1 yards per carry last week one touchdown i mean you look at uh you look at jones he had two touchdowns to one interception on last week i i'm, I'm gonna tell you what um i'm gonna go with the giants over the panthers in new jersey the browns and the jets so Well, i tell you what, the Jets just have issues. You know, Robert Sala, you know, this is his second year as the head coach of the Jets. I mean, I I think, you know, it seems like the the footing may be a little bit shaky for him. They got to win some football games. Okay, Jets fans are not, I mean, Jets fans have suffered for quite some time now. Right. You got last year. You understood with Zach Wilson. There were going to be some growing pains. I mean, and again, you played if you're the Jets, I mean, you played a you know, you played the Ravens. And I mean, did well in the beginning until Lamar Jackson just took over the game. Um, The Browns good win against the Panthers. You know, Jacoby Brissett, to me, he missed some throws last week, no doubt. But he made some throws. He's going to, for the most part, protect the quarterback. He's got a, a phenomenal running game got a really good defense, and I'm going to find it hard to believe that the Jets are going to go into Cleveland and beat the Browns. Therefore, I have the Browns over the Jets in Cleveland. The Jaguars and the Colts. So the Colts played the Texans to a tie last week. You know, we'll see. I mean, I I guess we'll see what happens um, with, you know, ultimately with this Colts offense. It, 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 it just you know didn't, it didn't go like I think they wanted it to, Matt Ryan. I thought, you know, I talked about him last year. I thought, you know, he's sort of at the end of his career, but then, you know, he had a decent season, but we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, you know, doesn't have a, a preeminent, he's got a great running back in Taylor, but not a preeminent wide receiving core. The Jaguars left some plays on the field last week against the Commanders. I don't think they leave those plays on the field this week. I actually like the Jaguars over the Colts in this divisional matchup in Jacksonville. The Dolphins and the Ravens. This is an interesting one because, you know, I I think Tua Tagovailoa is going to be solid. You know, he's got obviously Tyreek Hill. I mean, I think the Dolphins have a solid team overall. But I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson, the week he had last week. I mean, if he can stay healthy, you know, it's just he he's so box office and just not only that, a good football player. You're talking about he couldn't throw the football. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's been throwing the football to me well, even going back to his days uh, at Louisville. And I I think the Dolphins are going to be decent. I think the Dolphins, you know, maybe the second team in the AFC East uh, this year. I mean, how close they'll be to the Bills, we'll see. But I definitely like the Ravens over the Dolphins in Baltimore. The Saints and the Buccaneers. So the Saints had to come back last week to beat Atlanta. You know, Jameis Winston, I, I like, I mean, I've liked Jameis Winston. Like, I mean, yeah, you can take me back to the season he threw 30 interceptions, but he threw 33 touchdowns. So it was a wide open offense under Bruce Arians. And it's interesting. He's going to play his former team, the Bucks, who weren't great last week. Like the Bucks weren't great um, last week, but the Saints weren't either. Um, even with that being said, I mean, this is a divisional matchup, NFC South. Um, this is a tough game to pick. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm going to go with the Saints over the Buccaneers in the Big Easy. The Lions and the Commanders. So I think the Lions are a, an improved team uh, this year, no doubt about that. Um but I don't think improved enough. I mean, hung tough last week. I mean, I think hung pretty tough with the Eagles. Uh, but I, the commander's offense is so explosive, um, you know, especially when you have Antonio Gibson can line up in the slot as at running back. you got Curtis Samuels, who's like a Debo kind of guy, can run the football, catches it well uh, as well. That offense is so explosive. And I don't think the Lions have a good enough offense where the commander's defense isn't great, but the Lions offense isn't either. And because of the explosiveness that the commanders have, I like Washington over Detroit in this football game in Detroit. The Seahawks and the 49ers. So, um, boy, I like the Seahawks last week. Geno Smith, solid. Good win over the Broncos, no doubt about it. The 49ers were a little bit disappointing. Trey Lance. Uh, You know, we'll see like we have to see what what happens. I mean, he's got some weapons, obviously, but the 49ers defense, I don't think played particularly great. Um, I think the Seahawks played above their heads. They're not going to have the 12th man this time around. And while I like the Seahawks overall, and I think what they can be not to make the playoffs or anything, but considering Russell Wilson is gone, I'm definitely going with the 49ers over the Seahawks in Cali, the Rams. And the Falcons. So the Rams uh, didn't look good the first game of the season that Thursday night game. Matt Stafford threw what three interceptions in the ball game. I mean, I don't, you know, he's going to throw some interceptions. But I, mean, I think the Rams have a lot of uh, weapons, and I think that's a team with um, with uh, with the head coach that is really going to Sean McVay is going to really make. Uh, uh, you know, you talk about transition from week one to week two. I think the Rams um, implement that the Falcons. I mean, yeah. Okay. You, you know, you, you had the saints couldn't close it. Um, you know, I, I definitely liked the Rams over the Falcons in LA, the Raiders and the Cardinals. So the Raiders, I thought played reasonably well. Devonte Adams made his presence felt last week. Um, the Cardinals just really laid an egg. I mean, I didn't think they were going to beat the Chiefs, but, I mean, they got blown out by the Chiefs. Um, And, you know, the Cardinals really have a lot of questions to answer, I think, all the way around. I mean, Kyler Murray, you know, didn't look good. Um, and I think that the Raiders are there. And I, I, I happen to like the Raiders over the Cardinals, in Las Vegas. The Broncos and the Texans. This is an interesting game. Again, the Texans with Davis Mills as the quarterback. Lovey Smith um, as the head coach going up against the Broncos. I don't think Russell Wilson's going to lose uh, back-to-back games. He's got, you know, he's he's solid. Man, that defense probably needs to tighten up um, a little bit. The Texans, I think, probably take a step back this week. And I like the Broncos over the Texans in Denver. The Cowboys and the Bengals. So, uh, The Cowboys have issues. You know, Dak Prescott got injured, but the Cowboys just didn't look good last week. I mean, are they a kind of team to make a big jump from week one to week two? I'm not sure um, about that. The Bengals let one get away, even though uh, Burrow threw four interceptions. They turned the ball over five times. I think the Bengals bounced back from that. No Dak Prescott, which means less of a chance for the Cowboys to win. I like the Bengals over the Cowboys in Arlington, Texas. The Sunday night game is the Bears and the Packers. So the Packers didn't look good. I think the Packers are going to be fine. You look at the Packers last week, got blown, uh, last year, um, that is, I think New Orleans blew them out, and, you you know, the Packers won 13 games uh, last year. The Bears, uh, you know, Justin Fields looked pretty good. You know, it's a good win by the Bears last week, but I think the Bears come down, and like, uh, Aaron Rodgers said, I own you. I and mean, I think he's part of the issue with the Packers, but he's a, I mean, he's great. And they're going to make, you know, they're going to make that jump week one to week two. I like the Packers over the Bears in Green Bay. We've got two Monday night football games, the Titans and the Bills. So the Titans, uh, you know, laid a bit of an egg um, on last week. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are good. Okay. Allen, you know, making that jump. I mean, that guy, that guy at quarterback's really good. You got the running back situation with, with Singletary. You got the rookie kid as well. You got receivers all over the place, and that defense is good. Uh, this game's going to be, you know, got Bills Mafia. Um, the Titans, I don't know. I mean, Derrick Henry's is solid. But I, I just don't know about the Titans overall. I think Mike Brable's a really good coach. But in this game, I like the Bills over the Titans in Buffalo. The other Monday night game, the Eagles – and the Vikings. So the Vikings look good. Give the Vikings credit. You know, I don't know if if Kirk Cousins is a quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl, but he's a solid quarterback. They look good last week. They got a good running game. It's a different mentality there with the Vikings. The Eagles, you know, the Eagles are good. They're strong, no doubt. Defense is really really good. Jalen Hurts, he's got weapons. I really like this Eagles defense. So I like the Eagles over the Falcons or excuse me, the Eagles over the Vikings in Philly. Your thoughts, you can hit me up via Twitter at box b o x t o r o w. Fort Valley State head football coach Sean Gibbs is up next. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware first. Let me take you to Baltimore for the annual matchup between Morgan State and Towson, the two schools separated by less than 5 miles hasn't been much of a rivalry lately with Towson dominating morgan state looking to change that early in the first quarter tellback gets the call looking for room has some to the 10 to the 5 Alfonso graham to the house bears on the board 16 yards to pay dirt and the bears led 7 to nothing. Townsend would answer with a field goal to pull to within 7 to 3. Then about midway through the second quarter, the Tigers would take the lead. Quarterback Bigger in the throw. He's in the pocket. Got time. Fires downfield. Got a man. Up a five. To the doorstep. To the house. Tyrone Pilgrim to Isaiah Perkins. 19 yards. And the Tigers held the 10-7 lead. But the Bears would immediately respond. In the pocket. Baker to the throw. Carson will fire. Deep. Near sideline for Jones. Avery makes the catch. Touch. Down. Carson Baker to Avery Jones for 31 yards and the Bears regained the lead at 14 to 10 before the half Townsend would get a field goal to pull to within 14 to 13 and would get another touchdown in the third to regain the lead at 20 to 14 but the bears would come right back Carson Baker is the Morgan quarterback he's in the pocket settles has to step up looks downfield
3: he'll fling it underneath he finds a target that's Alfonso Graham slips a defender at the
1: 10 to the 5 Alfonso to the touchdown morgan put the bears up 21 to 20 but late in the third quarter, the Tigers would respond and take the lead for good.
3: Play fake, pick him to throw. He fires, end zone,
1: wide open. Darien Street touchdown. Towson i am because of that man lamont germany on weaa in baltimore the touchdown put the tigers ahead they would go on to defeat the morgan state bears 29 to 21. now i'm gonna take you to daytona beach florida for an old school robbery between south carolina state and bethune cookman when both were in the Miac. we're gonna pick things up in the third quarter with South Carolina State leading 13 to nothing. Inside handoff, Kendrell Flowers bounces and outside, cuts back in at the 40, at the 45, still feet at the 50. He's at the 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, cuts back up 10, 5, touchdown, Kendrell Flowers. My man, Ernest Robinson, on the South Carolina State Bulldogs radio network. The Bulldogs would go on to down Bethune-Cookman, 33 to 9. Now, let me take you to Memphis for the Southern Heritage Classic matchup between the Jackson State Tigers and the Tennessee State Tigers. A low scoring game, but Jackson State linebacker Niles Gaddy was wreaking havoc all night. Shotgun formation, takes a snap. Here comes the pressure, down he goes again. Sacked by Gaddy again. One of his three and a half sacks on the evening. Let's now go to the fourth quarter. With Jackson State leading 9-3 and possession of the football. There's a snap.
2: Looks left. Tosses in the end zone. Gaines makes to catch, or did he? Yes, he holds on to the football with a defender all over him. It's the first touchdown
1: of the night for Jackson State. That's my man, the Hall of Famer, Rob J. on the Jackson State Sports Network. Shador Sanders to games for 27 yards sealed the deal. The Tigers of Jackson State went on to defeat Tennessee State 16-3. For his efforts, Gaddy was named the HBCU National Player of the Week. Also, Jada Byers, the running back from Virginia. Virginia Union, also HBCU player of the week. You can log on to our website, botchtoreau.com, to read more. Jackson State remains number one in the HBCU coaches and media polls, and you can find those polls on the BoxToRow.com website. BoxToRow, the radio show, airs weekly on radio stations across the country, as well as Fridays at its new time, 6 p.m. Eastern, that's 3 Pacific, on ESPNU Radio, on Sirius XM, and Saturdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, that's 6 a.m. Pacific time, on Sirius XM, Channel 142, HBCU. To listen to the show or for more information, log on to boxtoro.com. The Fort Valley State Wildcats are 2 and 0 on the season and ranked number 6 in the newly created HBCU Division 2 Coaches Poll powered by BoxToro in his first season as the head football coach of Fort Valley State is Sean Gibbs, former assistant football coach at North Carolina A&T. The Wildcats going to be in action once again on Saturday at home against Allen. As again, Sean Gibbs joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Gibbs, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for having
1: me. Uh, Glad to have you. Want to get your thoughts. First of all, the the win, uh, a close ball game, Against Kentucky State, you get the win 9-7 to over the Thoroughbreds.
3: Yeah, it was a tough game, a physical game. I mean, we knew going in that, you know, playing a triple option team, the game's going to be a little slower than normal games. Uh, but we showed up and, and uh, pulled the victory out, I think, defensively. We played pretty good. We held them to 124 yards rushing and one touchdown, and that touchdown was a direct result of, broken play on special teams so you know we got to get better in the kicking game that's two games in a row that I felt like we could have had a shutout but you know our kickoff team we didn't have them in the right places and that's on me and that allowed our defense to have to defend the short field and they were able to capitalize on it but other than that we played pretty solid Uh, you know offensively we didn't have the game that we desired but we came away with the win. We scored more points than they did, and that's the objective of every game.
1: That is. I mean, how concerned were you with the flow of the game? I mean, was it, it – let me just start with the offense. Was it what they were doing defensively that kind of stymied your offense? Because, I mean, I know they had to be some concern there when they uh, made the score 9-7 to seven with still nine minutes remaining in the third quarter.
3: Right. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't say that I was concerned. I actually, you know, think we needed a game like that where we had some adversity and had to make some plays down the stretch. Uh, defensively, I think schematically they did some good things that caused some problems. Uh, and it was good to see those things early in the season so we can correct them and be ready for them in the future because, you know, football's a copycat league, so we know we'll see some of that stuff again. But, you know, our main objective as an offense is to protect football, and we did a good job of doing that. Um So we just got to get better. There were some plays there that we just didn't make. Uh, We didn't have the holes to run through like we did against Tuskegee. But, you know, we're able to take the football and run the ball pretty pretty decent, you know, not up to our standard. But, uh, you know, we got a lot to work on, and it's always good to win. Winning is hard, so we'll take it any way we can get it.
1: As as a coach that uh, you used to coach for uh, used to say, all wins are good wins. And uh, so, you know, you 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 got those, you got that one under your belt. You're two and zero. Your thoughts in terms of the the way that your team is playing right now.
3: Well, I mean, I like the way they're playing. They're competing. Uh, they're buying into you know our philosophy uh, on how to play the game. You know, uh, we want to be able to run the football. We've been uh, we were great at it in the first game, and you know we weren't as good in the, in the second game, but we were able to run it a little bit. Uh, protect the football. We've done a really good job of that. And, you know, our last principle is the thing that we really got to improve on. we really got to work on, and that's winning the kicking game. But I think the guys are playing with a lot of effort. Uh, We had some discipline issues in the first game. We had 13 penalties. Uh, We cut that in half uh, against Kentucky State down to six. Two of them came on special teams, and they were after, you know, uh, after the ball, after the whistle, tough guy penalties, and those are unacceptable. So if we can continue to cut down on those things and continue to play with great effort and discipline, we'll be fine.
1: Sean Gibbs in his first season as the head football coach at Fort Valley State. He joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Gibbs, just your thoughts um, uh, to this point uh, in terms of the way your quarterback, redshirt freshman Kelvin Durham, is playing.
3: Well, I think he's done a really good job of managing the game. You know, we we tell him that we don't need you to go out and win the game for us. We just need you to manage manage the game, Uh, you know, keep us out of bad situations don't turn the ball over, and uh, be a facilitator, get the ball to our playmakers. And I think he's done a good job of that. Uh, and, you know, I expect to see continuous improvement throughout the season. He's got um, a strong arm. He's capable of, of being a, a passer that can hurt you. But I think he can uh, be dynamic on the ground, uh, extending plays, you know, quarterback run game, all that stuff. He's a, he's a really good athlete that can run. So, you know, future's bright for KD. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about him.
1: For you, what are some of the first things that you had to do coming in as a new head football coach and trying to, you know, build or rebuild a program that that had been down a bit?
3: Well, just to get them to buy into the way that, that we do things now. I think they did a good job around here and recruiting because we have uh, some good players. But just getting them to play the way that we want them to play. You know, everybody has a different philosophy, but this, this uh, program is – the foundation is effort. You know, we want to be a high-effort team, getting guys to understand that you got to play with great effort, you got to practice with great effort, and you got to study and go to class with great effort. Uh, we want to be well-rounded on and off the field, and we want to pay attention to detail. Uh, so those are some of the things that we've been working on. You know, it's a process, uh, and we got to stay true to the process and trust the process and just keep working but if we can continue to pay attention to uh, detail and play with great effort and understand that you know little things make the big things happen how you do small things is how you do all things and just continue to work we'll be fine
1: yeah I mean I say down a bit I mean you look at last year the the team was five and five you look at the year before that six and four Uh, so it's just not up to Fort Valley State standards uh, it had not been, but, again, you guys are off uh, to the 2-0 and start. What made this job as the head football coach at Fort Valley State? You had a lot of success. We'll talk more about that as the running backs coach at A&T. But what made this job at Fort Valley State the right job for you?
3: Well, just what you said, the standard. You know, they have a winning tradition here. They expect to win. I know when I got down here, everybody said, now you know they're going to expect you to win. And I said, well, that's what I expect to do. I think you have to have high standards. Uh, So there's a tradition of winning. Um, Something that attracted me was the history of great coaches and Coach Lomax and Coach Porter. And then all the great players, you know, with Rayfield Wright, Darryl Holmes, Tyrone Poole. It's just uh, a bunch of great players that have went on to have some success in the NFL. And all those guys are active and engaged in our program and trying to help so all those things drew me to this job you know I wanted to be a head coach and I think this was a good place uh, to get started and you know I look forward to building here.
1: Sean Gibbs the head football coach at Fort Valley State in his first season joins us here on the program for you up next uh, is Allen that game is at home what are some of the the uh, challenges perhaps that the yellow jackets present
3: well they got the players you know especially offensively their their quarterback is a good football player they got a receiver that can play they got a running back that can run so you know our challenge is to keep the ball in front of us not give up any explosive plays uh don't allow them to run the football and you know make the plays that are there to make uh you know when we get our hands on the ball we got to catch it if they put it on the ground we got to recover it um you know, we just got to play solid, fundamental assignment football all game against these guys because they can't hurt you. They have some players that can hurt you, and then uh, you know defensively, they have they have a good scheme, a unique scheme that you don't see every week where they like the pressure, uh, but they play a lot of man coverage. So we're gonna have to win one on one matchups outside. Uh, so you know it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a challenge. They're gonna come in, they're gonna play hard. They're a well coached team. They got some good players, uh, but you know we got good players too. and, and I think our, our coaches have done a good job. So, you know, it's going to be a great game. can't wait.
1: You know, for you, I mean, you, you, when it comes to running backs, you know, running backs, and we'll talk more about that. I mean, I look at Emmanuel Wilson going back to his days playing at Johnson. C. Smith, he's really good, really good. Come in, take the SIAC sorter uh, by storm. And now, I mean, he's averaging in two games, 167 and a half yards rushing per game. How, how good, a running back is he, and I know you haven't seen necessarily a a lot of him this year, although I'm sure you've looked at tape his, his previous couple of years, but where does he compare amongst some of the, the great backs that you've coached at North Carolina central and at Ant and at Grambling for that matter.
3: Uh, he's up there. He's, he's right in line with all those guys, you know, but the, the thing that he has in common, uh, with all those guys from Greg Pruitt at North Carolina central, Frank Warren at Grambling, uh, Tariq and Jamaine and, and Cartwright at A and T is uh they're not only great players, but they're great people. And this guy is a class individual. He's humble, he's a God fearing young man. He prays, gets down on his knees in the middle of the field and prays before every practice, before every game. Every time he scores, he's getting down on his knees and thanking the Lord. So, you know, he's playing for a greater purpose um he's he's a great person I think number one that's what makes him a good player and then you know he's the biggest running back that I've coached um and he's got the same type of elusiveness as some of those other guys and he can run with power he can do it all he can catch the football and uh, he's a pleasure to coach
1: you mentioned all of those running backs Greg Pruitt to Tariq Cohen uh Mark Quill Cartwright Jaime Martin you mentioned boy you took me back with Frank Warren uh, Corn- Cornelius Walker I think was in the backfield with him I mean you've coached yeah. you coached some guys and you were pretty good when you played at North Carolina Central as well I mean I guess it's something you see when you go out and recruit in a running back that has enabled you to be so successful as a running backs coach all of those years
3: well yeah, I mean, uh, the first thing I got to say is I've been I've been blessed and been been lucky to coach these guys. But, you know, I from playing the position and studying the position. I mean, I played running back since I was 5 years old and and uh, when I was younger, I used to study guys, you know, Walter Payton is my favorite football player ever. And, you know, I was studying guys like Walter Payton and Eric Dickerson, Roger Craig, you name it, you know, um LaDainian Tomlinson and and I still study guys like Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor and all the great players in the NFL now. So, you know, you got to try to find somebody that uh, fits your system. And you know, I think uh, E-Man definitely fits what we're trying to do because he has great contact balance. He when he gets hit, he's not falling. He's got uh, good balance. He can make you miss. He can catch the ball. And you know, the main thing for a running back is it's a it's a position where you got to have a feel for it. It's a natural position. As a running back coach, you know, your job is to get them to the line of scrimmage, teach them the footwork, teach them their reads, teach them who they're looking for, the unblock defender, all those things. But once they get the ball in their hands, it's up to them. They got to be able to see it. I know when I first started coaching running backs, Coach Hayes told me, if, if you got a coach vision on a running back, you need to get you another
1: one. <laughs> no doubt about it. Sean Gibbs, the head football coach at Fort Valley State, joining us here on Box to Row, the Wildcats uh a home game as a matter of fact on saturday as allen comes to fort valley georgia coach gibbs great to catch up with you appreciate the time a continued success to you and the wildcats thank you go wildcats and god bless if you follow north carolina central if you followed grambling a.t particularly the last couple of years with T, you know who sean gibbs is Put it. I mean, listen to those running backs. He named Greg Pruitt Jr. and Frank Warren. I'd forgotten about Frank Warren. You can't really forget about him, but hadn't hadn't heard his name in quite some time. Uh, Tariq Cohen. All of those guys. I mean, he's coached some really, really, and he's got a really, really good one in Emmanuel Wilson. Up next, I'm previewing the HBCU game of the week.
0: On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here. here.
1: The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance is proud to support the sixth annual Box to Row Countdown to Kickoff. We look forward to another fantastic season of HBCU football filled with great games, rivalries, pageantry, and unforgettable fall Saturdays. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance works with local partners to grow the sporting event industry in our area. The GRSA has an extensive track record of securing and hosting successful tournaments and championships, resulting in significant economic impact for the region and an enhanced quality of life for our residents. To learn more, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raleigh NC sports best of luck to all area HBCU football programs this season.
2: The 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. One ticket. Gets you into the fair and the big game. Also, Grammy award-winning. Ashanti Live. Then the classic kicks off at a new time. 6 p.m. New coaches. Old rivalry. And an iconic halftime battle of events. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and positively golden. Chevy. Cricket wireless. Methodist Hospital.
0: It's Donald Ware, from the press box to press row.
1: Big football games for week three of the HBCU football season, but none bigger than the Grambling State and Jackson State game, which is the HBCU national game of the week. When you look at Jackson State, number one in HBCU football, 2-0 and on the season, dominant win and a statement win, I think, over Florida A&M and a big win over Tennessee State to remain 2-0. Probably not what I thought was going to be. Um, You know, I give Tennessee State a lot of kudos, especially from a defensive standpoint, considering Tennessee State the week before against Eastern Washington gave up almost 600 yards of total offense. So, but Jackson State is number one. Meanwhile, you look at Grambling. Grambling can't, I mean, that you know, Grambling, that was a big win against Northwestern State on last week. I mean, that is a huge win, especially coming off the beat down 58 to three against uh, Arkansas State from the week before. So I really give Grambling, you know, a lot of credit. And boy, I mean, I, I you know, it was one thing to win the football game against Northwestern State, but it's another thing to, to really put it on Northwestern State. When I look at this Jackson State, offense what can you say getting it done Shador Sanders the quarterback is completing about 77% of his passes he's got six touchdowns on the season he hasn't thrown in interception this year he's only been sacked three times the offensive line is is definitely doing a good job you look at the running game I mean I think when you look at the running game the running game is solid uh, in of itself I mean it's it's solid Uh, almost 141 yards Uh, of of rushing per game but when I look at this offense right only one touchdown last week again against a team that almost 600 yards of total offense and what 37 38 points to eastern Washington the week before and we've seen some lulls uh, even last year you saw second half you saw where there was some lulls in that Jackson State uh, defense and uh, so, I mean, I, you know, you know, I, I mean, I, I, the thing about it, right, as 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 much as I can say that overall, it's been a really good offense for Jackson State. Conversely, when I look at Grambling defensively, I mean, Grambling is I mean, Grambling has given up some yards. It has given up some points. And that's got to be of concern for Hugh Jackson as the head coach of Grambling coming into this game. Um, against Jackson State that has a high powered offense. But again, I saw Tennessee State turn it around a little bit. Could we see Grambling turn it around? We'll see. I mean, we'll ultimately see how things play out. When I look at, and and, and again, I mean, when I look, okay, so let's look at the Tennessee State offense, right? When I look at the Tennessee State offense, okay, uh, I look at the game, against uh, uh, against northwestern and i look at the quarterback quaterius hawkins 13 of 23 293 yards he had two touchdowns no interceptions in that ball game and when i also look um at what uh what uh, grambling is doing it, grambling is running the football i think at a pretty decent clip as well running the football just enough just enough right i think maurice washington probably you know I mean, he's doing he's doing well. They're not running the football overall. They haven't rushed it that much. Although, when I look at the game against Northwestern State, it was a balanced offense. 25 runs and 25 passes uh, for Grambling in that football game. But I think, I mean, listen, Grambling scored 27 points in the second quarter alone against Northwestern State. I mean, that's more than a lot of teams score in a football game but scored 27 points uh, in the second quarter alone. It's an explosive offense. You know, Hugh Jackson's got the coaching experience, um, obviously at the National Football League level uh, as a head coach, uh, as an offensive coordinator, uh, but also has got the colleges, has some college experience as well. So we've seen it on all levels, and I think it just manifested itself. We didn't see a lot at Arkansas State, maybe Grambling trying to kind of find itself. But it manifested itself, I think, a lot um, in the game against Northwestern State. When I look at Jackson State defensively, I mean, you know, 13 sacks on the season. You look at Niles Niles Gaddy as the the, the HBCU player of the week, Aubrey Miller. So you know the linebackers are really, really good. You go on the back end, Shiloh Sanders. You look at Travis Hunter. You know, on I mean, in that defensive backfield is really, really good. And Jackson State's good up front. You know, Jackson State's only allowing 13 yards rushing. Only gave up, gave up negative. Tennessee State last week rushed for negative eight yards against Jackson State. And Jackson State's getting it done, you know, on the defense or in the, in the air uh, defensively. The pass defense is what I'm trying to say. You know, they're getting it done there. You know, where I have concerns about Jackson State overall, you know, listen, Gramlin State's third down conversions, it's like, they're, like, they're not good at all. But Jackson State, I've got some concerns in terms of third down conversions, getting into a third down uh, situation. Jackson State is converting something like 37% of its third downs, although on fourth down, Jackson State's been pretty good. But you don't even want to put yourself in a fourth down uh, situation. I, I think. We're going to see a situation where Grambling's defense is going to be better. I think they're going to take a little bit of a page out of what uh, Tennessee State was able to do last week. Again, I'll say it again. Tennessee State against Eastern Washington gave up 500, almost 600 yards of total offense in the football game. Gave up just 16 points against Jackson State last week. That game was still in doubt. It was a 9-3 game in the fourth quarter with Jackson State having a lead. It's just that... That Jackson State defense is so suffocating that Tennessee State couldn't get a whole lot going and again, rushed for negative uh, eight yards. But I think I think Grambling is going to put up some points. I don't think this is gonna be a high scoring uh, football game at all, but I think Grambling's gonna put up some points. I think Jackson State is gonna put up some points. The, I've, I've been 2-0 and on my pick so far. This year, picking Jackson State twice against Florida A and M, and then of course last week in the game against Tennessee State. My pick for this week is is this, and let me say this before I get to my pick. I, again, I think I think Gramlin's going to score some points. Um, it's not going to be a high scoring game. I'm looking for the game to be somewhere, um, you know, maybe in the. 20 to 17 range um i think grambling gets itself together uh defensively um jackson state is still going to be very tough on the defensive side of the football but i think jackson's i think grambling state is better offensively than tennessee state was could only score three points so i think you know i i I don't think jackson state is going to be able to hold tennessee state to three points not only that this is my prediction. I think Grambling State's going to go into a hostile environment. It's going to be a packed house in Jackson, Mississippi, a hostile environment. Uh, you know, Jackson State is going to be deep. You know, Grambling, I, I, I think, will bring some fans out to the football game. I'm not really sure the distance between, you know, Grambling and, uh, and, and Jackson State. I don't think it's terribly far. Uh, but I think Grambling State is going to go in a hostile environment and upset, upset Jackson State. And I'm predicting that the score is going to be somewhere around 20 to 17. Grambling State on the winning end. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number to R-O-W. A couple of other games I'll be keeping my eye on. Shaw is hosting Bowie State. Bowie State looking to bounce back from the loss to Saginaw Valley. Meanwhile, Shaw looking for its first win of the season. I'll be interested to see what Morgan State does at home against Sacred Heart, even though it's a non-conference game. Same thing with Alabama A&M. Going to be looking to see what Alabama A&M is going to do at home against Austin P as the Bulldogs looking for their first win of the season as well, I mean, you've got a, you know, a couple of games. Norfolk State and Hampton. That should be interesting. Can Hampton start the season 3-0? and uh, We'll see ultimately how things play out. Interested in seeing that Southern and Texas Southern game? Texas Southern's got a high-powered offense. So, there, there, you know, there are a couple of games um, I think that should be pretty decent, and I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on. Tell you what, I'm going to be in Durham. Uh, for calling the A&T and Durham game as the play-by-play voice for a t football. Been doing that, I think this is the eighth or well, seventh year, really, when you count the COVID year, so very glad to do that. And as a matter of fact, if you have SiriusXM, you can listen to that game on the SiriusXM app. You can listen to that game on the SiriusXM app as well as SiriusXM channel 386 or Sirius XM online uh, channel 976 there's a couple of you know it's a small community of HBCUs that have their games broadcast on Sirius XM Norfolk State is one Jackson State's uh, another school there are some others uh, that are escaping me uh, right now Uh, but again you can check out HBCU football games on Sirius XM my time is about up I thank you for yours Thank you to Sean Gibbs, the head football coach at Fort Valley State, for joining us today on the program. I want to remind you about our new project, Radio Boss. We have some great conversations with celebrities. So for more information on Radio Boss, you can log onto our website, radio-boss.com. And of course, for scores, polls, etc. cetera, when it comes to HBCU football, we've got you covered. Log on to the box to row website, Box2Row.com. And always remember to support those that support yo Box2Row is produced by DW Communications.